0: However, when it comes to safe, standardized breast cancer screening, starting at age 50 for Canadian women is simply too late. Current screening standards aren't meeting the reality of what Canadian women need when it comes to early detection. A recent report by Statistics Canada showed that growing rates of women are facing late-stage breast cancer when screening is only accessible at 50 That's what it
1: sounded like recently on Parliament Hill when Liberal MP Yara Sacks stood in the House of Commons asking for changes to be made to the way breast cancer screening is offered in Canada. And that's a message Dr. Paula Gordon of Vancouver has been repeating herself a lot. Dr. Gordon is a breast cancer radiologist. She spent her career breaking the bad news to thousands of patients, but also researching and developing better ways to detect the cancers in the first place. She recently won the Order of Canada for her discovery back in 1995 that using ultrasound could find breast cancers where routine mammograms missed them for women with dense breasts. But now she's adding her voice to get the Canadian health system to change when it comes to how early and how often women can get mammograms. Mammograms are usually only done after the age of 50 and only once every two to three years. But Gordon says that needs to happen starting at age 40, especially for women at higher risk, and that includes Ashkenazi Jewish
0: women. This is a real woman I'm talking about who uh, came from somewhere else and went to her family doctor And she said, um, you know, I was having regular mammograms every year, wherever she came from. And her doctor said, oh, we don't do that here. So she didn't refer herself, even though she didn't even need uh, the doctor's approval. And she was diagnosed with a metastatic breast cancer. I, I mean, it's
1: heartbreaking I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, March the 8th, 2023, International Women's Day. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Many provinces don't even tell women what their breast density is. It's very common. About 40% of Canadian women have dense breasts. They are at higher risk for cancer, but also because mammograms don't detect cancer in women with dense breasts because the fibrous part of the breast could look like a cancer or it could look like fibres, and it's hard to tell the difference on mammograms. That's where supplementary screenings come in. The situation is a real hodgepodge in Canada, depending on where you live, whether it's covered or it's not. And at the centre of it all is the Canadian Task Force on Preventative Health. It's a group of experts set up by Health Canada, and they set the guidelines which Canada's family doctors follow. And the guidelines on breast cancer haven't been updated in years. They don't recommend mammograms for 40-year-olds. They don't recommend doctors do breast exams on women, and they don't think women should do breast exams on themselves either. Dr. Paula Gordon says that's because the research they based their findings on was out of date and worse, flawed to begin with. So coming up, Dr. Gordon will be here to explain her mission right after this message.
0: During World War II, the Nazis began a little-known program of extermination for their own children. In Peter Klenot's new mystery thriller, The Unwanted, 14-year-old Hannah Ziegler is being driven by her grandfather and her psychiatrist to a euthanasia center. 16-year-old Silky Hartenstein graces the cover of Nazi propaganda magazines. Avi Kreisler is a Munich police detective rounded up for Dachau. And a patrician father hopes his son, David McAuliffe, will be elected the first Catholic president of the United States. In The Unwanted, in the aftermath of war, revenge brings these four people together in ways unimaginable. The Unwanted. Do not skip to the last page. Find it at Amazon and Barnes & Noble.
1: And Dr. Gordon joins us now from Whistler, B.C., Nice to meet you. Congratulations on the Order of Canada. We're a couple months late, but we're getting there. (laughs) I'm still euphoric. They gave you the Order of Canada, of course, for your career in in breast screening for breast cancer patients. When you started this journey in medical school, did you originally decide
0: this is where you wanted to to focus? Or how did you end up doing this? Well, a lot of it was being at the right place at the right time. Um, I originally thought believe it or not, that I'd be an obstetrician gynecologist. Uh, But uh, my husband, who was in my medical school class, was going to be a surgeon. And I just thought, two surgeons, taking call, trying to have a family, nah. And I did a fellowship in ultrasound. Nobody was doing ultrasound of the breast at that time. And uh, when I finished my fellowship and was looking for a job, I ended up working in a practice in Vancouver that does a lot of breast imaging. So I quickly became um, a mammography expert, kind of figuring it out as I went along, uh, because people weren't doing or publishing it at the time. And I had learned how to do, I was doing needle biopsies with with ultrasound in other parts of the body, like the pancreas and the liver and so on. And I thought, why don't I try a needle biopsy in the breast? Because in those days, if there was something suspicious on a mammogram that needed to be a biopsy, the only way to do it was, was surgically. So I thought, what if I can get a needle in the right place using ultrasound? And it worked. It worked great. And it's now the standard of care. Anytime you can see an abnormality that needs biopsying and you see it on ultrasound, that's what we do. So that's the, that's the work, the, uh, the starting off with doing these needle biopsies and then in the process of that, realizing that some of the stuff I was seeing on ultrasound uh, that was cancer wasn't even visible on the woman's mammogram. So that turned into the supplemental screening for women with dense breasts. And that's what one of the things that we're advocating for, better access for, because 40% of women have dense breasts and mammograms don't work as well for them. So I, the line I use is women with dense breasts are discriminated against if they only have access to mammograms for screening and they deserve the same opportunity for early detection of breast cancer as women who don't have dense breasts. But it's not just people with dense
1: breasts. Jewish people who are Ashkenazis have a higher risk too. And so in terms of our listeners, this is something that they need to understand because I went to my doctor, and he's a wonderful doctor, and I had a mammogram last year. I'm 61. And so he said, I don't need to do a breast exam on you because you just had a mammogram. And that was it. And I'm like, I don't even know what my breast density is. And I'm in Ontario. No one ever told me. And I got the results. Everything's fine. And I'm never, I don't
0: know. Uh, if you want to uh, focus on the Ashkenazi Jewish women, they should be helping lobby and advocate to get screening starting at 40. The other groups that are more likely to get breast cancer younger, by the way, are black, Asian, and Hispanic women. And there are uh, physicians uh, advocating specifically for screening um uh, black, specifically black women, they need to be screened in the 40s because their peak incidence of breast cancer is in the mid-40s, whereas with white women, it's in the late 50s and early 60s. So we can't leave them out. But the, the Ashkenazi Jewish women need to start helping us get work towards screening in the 40s. And you said you didn't, you, you had just had your screening mammogram. Ontario is soon going to start telling all women their density, but they're being really misleading and they're only going to tell women in the highest category density D that they're dense, which is which leads women in category C who are also at risk uh, to believe that they're not dense. So I have a big problem with that. That's dishonest. Is it just about a question of money and resource allocation to the fact
1: that there's a finite pot, even though the federal government is just giving billions to the provinces Uh, as we know. And that's why they have this task force and recommendations that exist since 2018, which they haven't updated yet, only allow in certain
0: areas screening at a certain age because there's just finite amount of money. They have never said that it's because of money, but the excuse that, well, this is, I think, I think the task force members genuinely believe what they said and they said that the harms of screening outweigh the benefits for women in the 40s. But that's nonsense. The reason they came to that conclusion is because the task force has no breast cancer experts on their panels that make these guidelines, and they don't listen to experts. And they have decided that the only kind of research that they're willing to consider to determine the benefits of screening are the randomized trials that were done from the 60s to the 80s. And two of those trials were done in Canada called the Canadian National Breast Screening Study, and they were fatally flawed. They were criticized from the get-go as soon as their first results came out in 1992. And in the last couple of years, colleagues uh, across Canada and I have been able to track down surviving former staff who can attest to the protocol violations that led to the cuckoo results of those trials. And the Canadian task force is still treating them as though they're legitimate.
1: The task force's website, the video that's on there explaining it is from 2011. The the guidelines are
0: 2018, but their video is even older than that. So I'm actually surprised. No, don't be surprised because the 2018 guidelines are exactly the same as the 2011 guidelines. Um, except with the one additional caveat that women should participate in shared decision-making with their doctors. The problem is the information that the task force gives to the family doctors to use in these shared decision-making is based on these flawed trials. And so if they continue to use those same trials, they will come up with the same conclusion. There has been piles and piles of um, excellent observational studies that they're ignoring. For example, one published in 2014, done in Canada, Canadian data, where they looked at almost 2.8 million women. That's the largest published study, by the way, in the whole literature. And they compared women who have mammograms to women who don't. And they showed overall 40% fewer deaths in women who, um, who have mammograms. And even better, in women 40 to 49 44% fewer deaths. The task force ignored that study. And they're saying, oh, mammograms only save 15 to 20% because they're basing it on those flawed trials. So they, they, they claim to have weighed the benefits to the harms. I don't like the word harms. You could say risk. And the two risks they're most concerned about, the first one is, well, when a woman has a mammogram and she gets called back for extra tests, we make her anxious. Yeah, of course she's anxious, but it's transient And the vast majority of women who are called back don't have cancer, and they find that out in however long it takes, but they find it out. And for the women who do have cancer, we're finding it early. We're finding it when it's small and it hasn't spread to the lymph nodes. And these are real, potentially lethal cancers. So that's number one. They're being very patronizing. Don't worry your pretty little head about it. We don't want you to have to suffer some transient anxiety, even though they know more women will die especially younger women. And the other harm they're worried about is something theoretical called overdiagnosis, And that's the potential that we will find a cancer and a woman will be treated for it, but that she'll die of something else before her cancer would have killed her. Like, let's say, a woman has cancer, she has her surgery, her radiation, she's done, and six months later, she has a stroke and dies, or a heart attack, or she's killed in a car accident. Well, of course, without a crystal ball... We're going to treat all cancers because they're potentially lethal. So they're saying we should deny women the option of finding lethal cancers to prevent this theoretical possibility of overdiagnosis and this transient anxiety. I want to ask you about frequency of screening because some provinces allow
1: women to ask for, correct me if I'm wrong, for a screening after 11 months and most don't. What is the p- patchwork? Where's the best place to be
0: if you're a woman that you want to get ultimate breast cancer care? Gosh, um, you'd have to look that up. though so there's densebreastcanada.ca and there's mybreastscreening.ca. And women, if, if women are watching this or listening uh, from other provinces, they go there and it'll tell them exactly what is available in their province. The ideal really is that all women be able to have annual mammograms starting at 40. That all women are told their breast density and that women with dense breasts can have supplemental screening. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, In fact, Ontario is not a bad place to be once you hit 50 because in Ontario, women can self-refer annually till age 74, And British Columbia, it's every two years unless you have a mother, sister or daughter with breast cancer. So Ontario's not bad that way. But What about Quebec? um, I looked at the stats. They don't do anything. Quebec is the worst. They're not going to tell women their breast density. They have something called a health portal online that if a woman knows how, how to log in, she can find her breast density. But a lot of women don't even know how to do that or that that it exists but the family doctors are told what the breast density is and so women can ask their doctor the problem is as i say uh family doctors are not well educated on the significance of dense breasts and not and then they've got this task force guideline saying that women with dense breasts don't need any special uh screening uh over and above mammography so quebec is the worst i i read that you're doing a trial
1: for it's going to be a 10-year trial of a, a new way of using 2D versus 3D screening to look at breast cancer. Can you talk a little bit
0: about what what stage that's at and where is it going? Well, underway. It's been go- undergoing uh, uh, it's been ongoing for years. What they're do- doing is recruiting women who have to consent to be randomized to either regular mammograms, which we'll call 2D or tomosynthesis mammograms. And we call, it, they're called 3D. They're not actually real 3D, but they're quasi 3D. You don't need to know the difference. We already know that tomosynthesis is a better mammogram. It finds more cancers than 2D and even better, it reduces the recalls. You know, those anxiety-provoking recalls that they call false false positives? They're not false false positives. They're false alarms. But tomosynthesis is a better mammogram. But this trial is going to look at long-term um, outcomes and whether we can reduce the advanced cancer rate. You mentioned the exam. I want to just bring up one more thing.
1: I referred to it earlier, and I know you've tweeted about it, is doing regular breast exams yourself uh, at home or in the shower or what have you. It, the guidelines say, uh,
0: the research says somewhere I read that nobody wants you to do that anymore. That Our SAS task force says that women shouldn't do breast self-exam. They also say that doctors shouldn't do breast exams as part of a routine physical. And that's what you happened know, to me. If, if women were, were having regular mammograms and doing breast self-exam, I don't think the doctor's exam adds very much. The, the hard thing is that every woman's normal is unique to her. So a busy family doctor who has, I don't know, pick a number, 25 patients in a day, half of them are women. They're doing breast exams on 12 women. Even if they're making notes in the chart, they're not going to remember exactly what it was like when she comes back a year later. And a woman who's only examining herself very quickly becomes more of an expert than any healthcare provider in what her normal is. And she's much more likely to notice a subtle change. So um When I have a patient who comes, this is the old days. It doesn't happen so much because of the task force. I'd have a patient come for um, mammogram and ultrasound because her doctor found a lump. And I'd go in to do the ultrasound and I'd say, did you find this lump or did your doctor? My doctor felt it. Uh, When the doctor felt it, did they show it to you? And what did you think of it? She said, I didn't think it felt like a lump. Well, Gordon's rule of breast lump, I would say this to women, and I'm Gordon, but Gordon's rule of breast lump is that if the patient doesn't think it feels like a lump and the doctor does, it's never a cancer. In fact, most of the time, it's not even a lump. It's just her normal texture. But if a woman finds something, um, the red light goes on and we look very carefully with mammography and ultrasound I am such a proponent of breast self-exam for that reason. And besides, most women in Canada are only having a mammogram every two years, and most women with dense breasts are not having supplemental screening. Now, if a woman with dense breasts has a cancer and it's not missed on her mammogram, it's going to grow, and eventually, it'll be found. Uh, one of the uh, and it is missed on the mammogram. Yeah, that's yeah. When it it'll eventually be found, and usually by accident. Uh, There's another story on the Dense Breast Canada website. One of the advocates who's been fabulous helping us in the Maritimes um, was a woman who usually showered with a shower puff. You know, those net things that you and soapy, and she'd wash herself that way. And she was on a business trip, staying in a hotel, didn't have a shower puff, soaped up her hands, and holy cow, what's that? She found a lump in her breast she never would have found had she not been using her hand. And that's an accidental breast self-exam. If women, you know, they used to say women should do it every month. You don't have to be obsessive like that, but do it periodically enough that you know what your normal texture feels like. And that way you might just find a cancer earlier than we would, you know, three, four years later when it's so big, we can't miss it. But I, I, I need to say this, even big cancers are missed in women with dense breasts. Yes, occasionally uh, there'll be a cancer that's not feelable and it's already spread and it's detected by feeling the lymph nodes. But um, normal lymph nodes can be very uh, conspicuous and that, you know, women should know if it's small and it's movable and it's like a bean and smooth, don't panic because that's when breast self-exam gets a bad name uh, because of women panicking about normal findings. Okay. This has
1: been really helpful to everyone who's listening and those who maybe didn't know much about it. Now we'll look on the websites and we're going to put the links in our show notes. It's been an honor to meet you. Thank you so much for being on the CJN Daily with us.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: That's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout out goes to Bernice and Nate Leipziger of Toronto, who wrote in with a story idea for the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll check it out. If you want more information about how to ask your doctor for extra mammogram screenings if you are at risk, or even to find out if you have dense breasts in the first place, I put some links to Dr. Gordon's organization, Dense Breast Canada in our show notes and also a story about the brca genes which are genetic mutations that a lot of ashkenazi jewish women have thanks for listening we'll be back tomorrow